Hello, everyone. Last week, we started our series called My Grown-Up Christmas List, and we began asking the question, what would God want to put on my Christmas list? In other words, what are the kinds of gifts that our Heavenly Father wants to give us? Now, I don't know that you'd quite maybe put it this way, but I think that a whole lot of people in our world right now are looking for an escape, an escape from all the chaos out there, an escape from all the crazy, an escape from all of the conflicts that we see out there in the world and experience in our own lives, an escape from COVID, and maybe for some of you who are teachers, an escape perhaps even from the classroom, anybody? Well, this week uh, over lunch, I watched or I looked at a, a news article that talked about the modern trend of looking to feel-good, festive holiday movies, you know, sitting down in front of movies like this to, to try and escape into that feel-good, festive mood. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Classic movies like Home Alone, It's a Wonderful Life, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. I don't know if we can call that one a classic. But these kind of movies people are going to watch over and over this holiday season. But what struck me is how incredible it is that uh, just this year, over 200 new feature films and made-for-TV movies are being produced with the word Christmas in the title. (laughs) That's crazy, isn't it? In fact, that's twice as many Christmas movies as in 2016, just five years ago. And it's four times as many Christmas movies as a decade ago. So why are there all these feel-good Christmas movies being made? What would it be about this particular time in history that so many people want to watch movies like this? Well, listen to what um, a guy named Brandon Gray, who is the host of the Deck the Hallmark podcast says about this. I think it's super interesting. He says, it's just this magical season where the storyline that's on the screen doesn't matter as long as there's a bunch of Christmas trees in the background and it's snowing. For viewers, it's just a way to escape and to feel for at least two hours this little bit of peace in the midst of this crazy holiday season and the, the craziness of this world in which we've lived the last couple of years. So did you catch what he said? He said, it's just a way to escape. To escape the craziness of the holiday season and to escape the craziness of this world. It's just a way to escape. So how about you, friends? Do you long to escape? to escape the craziness of this world, to feel, even for just a bit, a sense of what you would call peace? Well, the good news is, that's actually what God wants for you too. That's right, God wants you to escape. And that's what I'm going to talk with you about here today. Christmas, Christmas is a great time to escape. Now, I'm not talking about an escape from your responsibilities. I'm not talking about escape so that you can indulge yourself or binge watch a dozen holiday movies in a row. I'm not talking about escape merely as some coping mechanism to deal with life. I'm talking about a dramatic escape brought about by God 
who brings us into the real freedom of living our lives as dearly loved children of God. You see, Christmas makes that possible. Christmas is a great time to escape into the real freedom of living life as a dearly loved child of God. Now, to help us unwrap these gifts for us today, we're going to look at a portion of the Bible, just three verses from Galatians chapter 4. It's a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote. We're going to read verses 4 through 6. Here's what he says. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. Okay, so let's unpack this wonderful passage today. He says, but when the set time had fully come. A couple of weeks ago, a middle school student asked me the question, why did Jesus come when he did? (laughs) And my answer was, I don't know. (laughs) But what I do know is that it very clearly tells us that it was just the right time according to God's set plan. Now, historians bring up all kinds of interesting information, like how this was the first time during the the Roman Empire, kind of in in history, where there was a, a common language, the Greek language, to communicate in. There was a system of roads to travel upon. There were trade routes as far away as places like India and Egypt, or not Egypt, India and China, uh, like Roman coins, for example, have been discovered as far away as Vietnam. So although they didn't have all these modern communication tools like we have, like WhatsApp and stuff like that, they had a a system of communication and, and commerce was taking place on a pretty big, almost global scale. So a good time maybe for the good news of Jesus to begin to be, to be preached and spread to the ends of the earth. But whatever God's point of view was, it was the perfect time for God to give the world just the right gift. Again, it says in Galatians, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son. So who is Jesus? That was the question we looked at in my starting point class this last week. Who is Jesus? And what we learned is he's God. He is the eternally existing with the Father, second person of the Holy Trinity. Before the world was made, Jesus, the Son of God, existed. And earlier in our service, we heard from from, uh, the, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 1, and this is what it said about Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word, Jesus, was God. God. Okay? But then, at just the right time, Jesus came to this earth. And just like you and me, he was born of a woman. It doesn't get much more human than that, right? But of course, Jesus' birth, his miraculous birth, it was a, it was a virgin birth. And that, that miracle of Christmas, that miracle of the virgin birth is what ensures us that Jesus is both true God and true man. And so this is why we celebrate Christmas, because God kept his ancient promise to send the world a Savior. And, and Jesus 
is the only one who is uniquely qualified to be the Savior of the world because he's the only one who is both fully God and fully human. But when the, when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman. Now, I don't know if the story of Joseph and Mary would qualify for a Hallmark kind of Christmas movie or not. But about 2,000 years ago, to a young peasant Jewish girl named Mary, Jesus, the Son of God, was born. And in time, Jesus grew up probably swinging swinging a hammer in his adopted father Joseph's uh, carpentry shop until at the age of 30 years old, Jesus began his public ministry, publicly preaching God's word, teaching people, and healing people, doing miracles and things like that, until after those three years of publicly demonstrating that he is the promised Messiah, out of jealousy and hatred and spite, the Jewish religious leaders orchestrated events to have Jesus put to death, to have him executed on a Roman cross. What they didn't understand, though, is that Jesus truly was who he claimed to be, the Son of God, the one who came to take all their sins away. They didn't understand that only through the resurrection of Jesus could God's stamp of approval be placed upon all that Jesus did as their substitute and ours. They didn't understand that it's only through Jesus that they could actually have God, God himself, as their father. They didn't understand that through Jesus alone could they actually be set free. Set free. Earlier in our service, I read from John chapter 8, and there was this interesting interaction, conversation with Jesus and, and some of the Jews. And, and they said this in John eight thirty three. They said, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. Except that that was kind of a ridiculous statement to make, knowing their history. The, 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 the Jewish people, the Hebrews, the Israelites, they were, they were slaves in Egypt. But now in Jesus' day, they'd started to kind of take on this spiritual pride where they, they thought maybe God loves us because of our Jewish bloodline, or maybe we're better than other people because we've come up with all these man-made rules in many cases about all of life, and, and we look to the performance of our rules to, to check our status and our approval in the, sight, in the sight of God. And what Jesus is trying to tell them there is, look, that kind of work-righteous attitude or that kind of a spirit, this kind of mentality of keeping the rules to earn God's approval, it's what makes you slaves. And so they, they, were, they were trapped, slaves to, to sin, slaves to their own rules, slaves to work-righteousness. You know, there, there are a lot of ways that we can fall into this too. We can become enslaved to sinful patterns of behavior, different kinds of addictions. We can become enslaved to thinking that somehow the way to earn God's approval, to win His approval, is by keeping the rules. Rules about what we should do, rules about what we shouldn't do. Um, someone recently shared with me their assessment of experience in, in different churches. They said for them, in the, in the Catholic Church, there were all these rules about what you should do, have to do. In evangelical churches, there were rules about what you shouldn't do. For example, they shared that in one church, there was a rule that you couldn't even associate with people who weren't members of your church. You couldn't, you couldn't do that without special permission. 
Well, there's a word for that. It's called legalism, right? Turning the law into what it's not meant to be. Man-made rules and, and even God's laws as, as, as if that's the way to salvation. It's, it's not. And so we can fall in that trap, too, of thinking that it's up to us to keep church, certain rules in order to gain God's approval. But that's only going to end up making us trapped, just like the people in Jesus' day. And many of us know what it's like, too, to be trapped by feelings of, of insecurity. You know what I mean? Maybe sometimes worrying so much about what other people think, and then even questioning what, what does God think, feeling like you're not qualified enough or not worthy enough for God to love you. We can get trapped by our own weaknesses and failures, the ways that we fall short, uh, our own feelings of guilt, our, our feelings of shame as we compare our performance in life, how well we feel like we've done, especially if we compare that to the outward-looking performance of other people in life. We can become trapped, I think, in cycles of trying to outdo each other's performance in the eyes of our, of our peers, as if that's somehow the way to be saved by works and not by God's grace. So, friends, what then do we need? Well, we need an escape. We need an escape. But thankfully, the good news is that's what Jesus came to give us. That's exactly what Jesus offers us. At the end of the conversation in John 8 that I read earlier in our service, Jesus says, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And so that's what Jesus came to give us, an escape. And that's why Christmas is a great time to escape. Again, in Galatians 4, it says, But when the set time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. I want to talk about this like being born under the law thing because this is, this is really key. Think about that for a second. What does it mean that Jesus was born under the law? All right, so it, like if you're a teacher, your, your classroom is your domain, right? Like you're in charge there. You set the rules there. And your students, they're obligated to keeping the rules, right? So now think about Jesus. He's God. He's in charge of it all. He sets the rules. It's his law. But now when he is born into this world as a human like us, what is, what is he saying? What is he doing? He's putting himself under the law. Right? As God, he's above the law. Now he comes as one of us under the law. That means to, obligating himself to keeping all of God's law, every part of it. All of God's laws to, to love God above all things, to love your neighbor as yourself. Everything that we as human beings are supposed to do, but haven't. But haven't. And, and that's our problem, and we know it if we're honest. Er, earlier in Galatians chapter 3, the chapter that comes right before um, our sermon text here, it says this in Galatians 3 verse 10. It says, For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. And the result of that is we are cursed. We are condemned. We are slaves to sin. We're not doing what we're supposed to do to honor God. We haven't been perfect. So what do we need? We need an escape. And thankfully, that's exactly what Jesus came to do for us 
on Christmas. Again, it says in Galatians 4, but when the, the, when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. So did, did you catch what he, he came to do? He came to redeem us. To redeem. You know what that word means? It means to secure deliverance, to liberate, to set free. That's what Jesus came to do for us. He came to provide an escape into the freedom that comes from life as an adopted child of God. Now, maybe the last question is, how did he do that? How could he do that? Right? Well, just as it is important to know and to believe that Jesus is both true God and true man, it's important to know there's two sides to, to what Jesus did for us as our Savior. There's his active obedience and there's his passive obedience. Okay, let me explain. Um, his passive obedience is, I think, what most people think about when they think about Jesus or they think about what happened to Jesus. He, he suffered, he died, he, he endured hell for us on the cross. He, he took our punishment that we deserved. That's why the most commonly known symbol of Christianity around the planet is the cross. Right? Because Jesus died on the cross. Now, that's his passive obedience. That's super important. Jesus took the punishment we deserved. But then here's the other question. How do we know that what Jesus did there on the cross was effective? Right? How do we know that what he did there, what, what he endured there counts for us? And that's where his active obedience comes in. You see, Jesus' active obedience is the stunning fact that throughout his entire life, from beginning to end, he perfectly obeyed all of God's law in thought, in word, in deed. Okay, Jesus offered up to the Father the perfect human life that he demands from all of us. Jesus never sinned, and that's what qualifies him. That's what makes his sacrifice on the cross effective for all of us. That's how we can know that Jesus redeemed us. He truly has set you free. And so listen to the amazing result of this one more time. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Adoption to sonship. Okay, ladies, if you're watching this, I want you to understand you're not being excluded here. This whole adoption to sonship thing is really meant for all of us to understand the real freedom that we have as dearly loved children of God. You see, in Roman culture at that time, to be the firstborn son was really to receive the inheritance, the greatest blessings. Right? So think about, think about Jesus. As the Son of God, it's all His Right? The, the inheritance of heaven by, by nature, by, by right, and by everything he's done, by who he is, this is what belongs to Jesus. But now it says that because of Jesus, what God wants to do is he wants to adopt us into his family with the full rights of sons. And so we are meant to consider this, that everything that Jesus has 
um, as the Son of God, God the Father delights now to give to us whom he adopts into his family. And so truly what this means is your baptism guarantees you that, that God now has become to you your dear Father in heaven. He loves you. Through baptism, your sins, your, your sinful life, your shame, it's all been completely washed away. As an adopted child of God, the, the eternal inheritance of heaven is secure for you. And truthfully, you've been set free from anybody in this world that would judge you on the basis of their own rules or standards. You've been, you've been set free from this like workaholic kind of pressure in life as if somehow you needed to prove your worth in the sight of God. You've been set free from all the ways that the world tries to get you to try and find your identity in what other people think about you or in um, the rules that they want you to keep or not keep. But here's the thing. What matters now through Christ is not what anybody else thinks about you except to know what your heavenly Father thinks about you. So that brings us to the last verse. Verse 6. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. Abba, that's an Aramaic word. It's a term of endearment. It means something like, Dad, Father. It's describing the attitude that you and I can have as God invites us to come to Him as His dear children, to call upon Him directly in prayer. He, he invites us to. He wants us to. You can think of it like this. God as our Father, you know, we as His children, God, He wants us to like climb up into His lap, into His strong, almighty arms of love, and to know that everything is going to be okay. God invites us now to to trust that through the chaos and the pain and the confusion of this life, that He has nothing but compassion for us. And because He's given us the gift of the Holy Spirit, he, He gives us the confidence now to know that as His dearly loved children, He's only going to give us good gifts and we can hold Him to it. And that means that sometimes as we go through in this life some really difficult things, whether it's a natural disaster or a cancer diagnosis, and and we might not see in the moment how this is all working out for our ultimate good. Yet as our Abba Father, in His arms, His strong arms of love, we can yet even pound on His chest and pour out our tears and know that despite our, our frustration or our confusion or our anger even, that He can take it because He's a big, strong God. And that his love for us, his compassion, is all that he feels. He's done everything through his son Jesus that we can be his forever. And to know, even when the world seems to be falling apart, that everything is going to be okay. Because God is our Father. And so in all the chaos and the craziness of this life, we don't have to chase after other things to to just deal with or cope with with it all. We don't have to, to run after the empty promises of those things that, that cannot ultimately fill us up, but we can in the freedom of being the children of God again and again climb up into the lap of our Heavenly Father, Abba, 
and call out to him in prayer and know that he hears and he has nothing but compassion for us. So I pray for you in the midst of this busy, crazy season, this world that we live in, that you can find that time and make that time and have that relationship with God who wants you to call out to him, Abba, Father. After all, Christmas is a great time to escape and to find the real freedom of life as a dearly loved child of God. I think that's just the right gift at the right time for our grown-up Christmas lists. Amen.